0: Decision, you gotta make a show. You gotta make a decision. Oh, the one that
1: I'm Hi, and thanks for joining. We are not our secrets. I'm JJ, and thanks for listening. I am honored to have Ellen S. Wright with me today on my podcast. Ellen has a master's degree in marriage and family therapy from Argosy University in Honolulu. Ms. Wright did postgraduate study in trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy through a year-long learning collaborative with the developers of TF-CBT. Ms. Ellen was a secondary school science teacher in Baltimore City at Frederick Douglass High School and Baltimore City College High School. She won Teacher of the Year twice during her teaching in Baltimore City. Inspired by her students and their families, Miss Ellen decided to pursue her interest in how communities and individuals could heal and address complex trauma. She has a host of credentials, too many to mention. I am elated to have Miss Ellen S. Wright, M-A-L-M-F-T. Hi, Miss Ellen, how are you?
0: Aloha, aloha. I am wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. I really oh, you're am excited. Welcome.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Aloha. I forget you're in uh, Honolulu in Hawaii. I'm so Hawaii. jealous. Yes. So
0: jealous. I live on the island of Oahu and it's, I love it. It's absolutely a beautiful place to live. I'm very, very blessed.
1: The only thing on my bucket list is to go
0: to Hawaii. Ooh, you got to come. You're coming. coming. You see, that's my Mm -hmm. bucket list. I got to get it
1: done. I got to get it done. I met Miss Ellen. What do people normally call you?
0: Ellen. Ellen or LL or L. Any of those, Ellen is fine.
1: Okay. I met Ellen on TikTok and she was doing therapy work. It was so outstanding. I followed her and have been following her and watching her work. And she's doing a great service to a lot of individuals on the show. And that's why I asked her to come to my show. And today she will be discussing how trauma affects communities and complex trauma, which is her specialty. I'm ready for you to instruct us on Body centered awareness and toxic stress. Do you do online or in person? counseling and
0: do you do both? I do both. I think in the state of Hawaii, um, I really serve uh, people online and in person. I have a few days a week that I get to be with people in person, which is really a gift right now because, you know, it's really hard for people to find time in their schedules. And especially here in Hawaii, people are very busy. They oftentimes have two or three jobs. I get to do most of my therapy work um, online as well. So it's more flexible for people. But um, what I offer for folks on the mainland is really online because, as you know, I'm here in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> so um, that is is currently what my practice looks like. But most of the, the work that I do on the mainland is private, kind of coaching work and um, education about, you know, trauma and and really some some skills and some tools to use individually and maybe with small families or within communities.
1: I noticed that you did couples. Do you also do individuals?
0: I do. Uh, I work mainly with individuals right now, adult individuals ages really 18 through, um, well, through infinity. <laughs> and uh, and then couples, I have uh, some couples that I work with again here in Hawaii. Uh, And I have done family work in the past, but I find that it's a little more challenging to do whole family work online. So most of my practice is individuals and couples.
1: Great. I could see how that would be uh, cumbersome Mm
0: -hmm. to do
1: several individuals online as a family unit. Mm -hmm. Yes, I could visualize that being very uh, taxing. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, no matter what state even you could go out of the country and do online mm-hmm. uh, help to people, correct?
0: Absolutely. And that's what I think is so exciting right now about the world we live in and being able to connect. I mean I you know the fact that you and I met you know online and then uh you know we're we're talking now is just so amazing and a testimony to that but I am getting to I think now we get to really break down a lot of borders and a lot of barriers that people used to have sorry you might hear roosters here in, in the background I <laughs> we yours? have yeah well they they kind of hang around our back uh back porch area and they just love us for some reason I'm are I'm, they I, neighbors
1: or wild they just wild. they're
0: wild they're wild actually oh my God. um yeah
1: <laughs> you must take some pictures of that and send to me I have to see that
0: <laughs> I definitely will I definitely will. So um, I guess I was just saying that, uh, yeah, so I get to work really, you know, internationally and and with people in the States and, you know, all of that. I really, you know, this is going to be a little controversial, but I know that technically uh, Hawaii is in the United States, Uh, but I really do feel like this is the kingdom of Hawaii and that they are a sovereign nation or should be a sovereign nation. But that's another conversation.
1: People will... Probably have something to say about that. But (laughs) I'm happy that I get to talk to you all the way from Honolulu, like you said, because at least I have some touch with somewhere that I want to go that I cherish. Back to our trauma Mm -hmm. focus. What we want to do is make sure that the ones that have been on my show and my audience and others who are dealing with trauma whenever they would listen to my podcast could get your wise words of how do you actually do body centering or body centered awareness and toxic stress? How do we deal with that? What's some of the techniques or what's some of the information you want to give regarding
0: that? Okay, great. Thank you. So I think first and foremost, um, What I tell people about trauma is that my way of working with folks with trauma is holistic. You know, we are body, mind, and spirit. And some trauma therapists um, only really do talk therapy. And that does not always work for all people, especially um, people who are BIPOC. And so I was trained first in how to look at the lens of trauma through the mind, and emotions. And that's that cognitive behavioral therapy, the trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy. And that really is, it's a wonderful, wonderful um, type of therapy that really does help a number of people. But I found that with complex trauma, which means that people have experienced more than one trauma in their life. And those traumas have then really impacted their reaction and their reactions in the world. So as I really furthered my career, so I had started with the cognitive behavioral training. And as I furthered my career, I really integrated the use of the spirit, which is more of an indigenous perspective, and the body, which means that Because of that, I I started looking into something called somatic. Somatic means body centered. So so there's a lot of um, wisdom that has come from Eastern medicine, uh, from indigenous cultures, about how they do their own healing practices. And so what I have gotten to see is that by really integrating all parts of ourselves, that's how we can really heal and reclaim our, our authentic power.
1: I love it. Yeah. I love that because I love holistic practice Mm -hmm. because it's natural. It's healthier. Even though this is mind and body, I still could see how that would be very effective and continue.
0: Yeah. So the word trauma itself, you know, people think that, uh, trauma is maybe when when normally we talk about the word trauma we think of the term traumatized but the word trauma actually comes from the greek word meaning wound so when bad things happen to us adverse things happen to us we receive wounds and those wounds impact how we then behave in the world so Trauma is not only stored in our minds, and our minds are, you know, they're in and around our brain and throughout our body, uh, but we normally think of our minds in our brains. So it's not just our mind, but it really impacts how our body functions. And the type of therapy that I now do, um, the more somatic therapy uh, and another type of therapy called eye movement desensitization and reprocessing EMDR therapy. It also uses kind of the body's natural healing ability to actually move through trauma. And even through using uh, EMDR and some of the body-centered somatic therapies, what, what it supports is how the body reacts to trauma and how The body reacts to trauma is not just in our minds. It's actually throughout our body.
1: That is fascinating, Ellen. I felt all of those things dealing with my trauma. Mm -hmm. I'm learning more and more about my trauma because of my guests that I have on, because they have and knew that they were CPTSD. I thought that I was just PTSD, which is... Mm -hmm one occurrence. But since it happened, since I was three and a half until I was 17, that's long term. Things that you just mentioned is why therapy alone, talk therapy, did Mm -hmm. not heal me. Yes. And I know it's an ongoing journey. I'm finding that out from another counselor, that it's what I call cleansing. Mm -hmm. I cleanse myself. Right. through my book that I did. But, and that started the real healing for me because it was always inside my body. Mm-hmm. And yes. so therefore I always would have body aches and pains and then the trauma wouldn't release because I needed a different method Yes, to release. And what you're saying is so important. I love it. And now let me say this, which was fascinating to me the body actually will try and heal itself of stress. Is -hmm. that, did I hear you correctly, Yvonne?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Our bodies are so amazing.
1: Let me ask you this. How would it do that? Is there a stress Uh response system? How does the body do that?
0: Yes. Yes. So, so, okay. So our bodies can actually communicate with our minds and our mind, just like we think of our minds communicating with our body. So we have something called bi-directional communication. And when we have experienced multiple traumas, we may have a difficult time maintaining a state of calm. You know, those folks who, you know, you might see, you know, who, when you see them, they they always kind of look tense and uptight. And if you just say one thing, might be just, you know, hi. <laughs> And they just kind of like, you know, freak out. That is because their state of calm is uh, now lowered because when you have complex traumas, multiple traumas, it actually can reduce the amount of tolerance that you have for when we get activated. And that activation is called the stress response system. And the stress response system is kind of like, an amazing alarm system that we have just built into our brains. And what happens is that we have a three-part brain. If you think of your hand, and you think of your hand as a model of the brain, then your your wrist is like your brain stem. And that that brain stem, that brain stem is responsible for your breathing. It's responsible for your heart rate. It's responsible for all the things that really make us move and and think and be able to, to be, okay? So it's the most primitive part of our brain, but that part of our brain, and it doesn't think, it just reacts, it just moves things around. So it's what makes our blood flow, it makes our eyes dilate, it makes uh, us get saliva when we you know start to get hungry, Processes our food. It does all of that. So that's called the reptilian brain. Then the next part of the the brain that is formed is called the midbrain um, or the limbic system. And that midbrain is our emotional center. And in that emotional center, there's this special little thing called, and it looks like a little almond, and it's called the amygdala. And the amygdala actually is responsible for our fight flight response, not our freeze, but our fight or flight. And so what happens is, is that when we have stress, when things come in that we don't like, it actually goes directly into uh, that part of the brain, the limbic system. Now, over top, if you think of, and so your thumb, if you're thinking of your hand, so the ba- the brain stem would be your wrist, your thumb bending into the center of your hand would be your midbrain. And then if you wrap your fingers over, kind of making a fist, your fingers and the back of your hand form what's called our neocortex. That's our thinking part of our brain. That's where we store our memories. That's where we have uh, a lot of our senses. And... That part of our brain is how we think, how we communicate, how we use language. Now, what happens in the stress response system is that you know we're walking around as human beings and we might see something. And if we see something that is dangerous to us, let's say we see maybe a snake in the grass or we see a spider on the wall. And what will happen is we'll take in that stimuli through our eyes. And then what will happen? is that if we're afraid of that spider that's on the wall, our amygdala will will kind of uh, activate and we will go into fight or flight. So we will probably run away or we'll try to grab a broom and try to get it off the wall. And what happens when that midbrain activates is that then we flip our lids. And so it's imagine your finger, your your thumb kicking out and your all your fingers go up and you flip your lid. And so when that happens, we, we stop thinking, we stop being able to really communicate, blood flow actually decreases to the neocortex. And we really are in a state of, now we either are gonna fight flight, or if we get really overwhelmed, we might freeze. And so that's all controlled by, the, the freeze response is controlled by the, the base of the brain as well. And so all of that is designed to kind of help us, right? It was, it was designed to help us when we were early humans so that when we saw something that was maybe threatening to us, we would go away or we would you know, protect ourselves, we would protect our families. So it's a really good safety system. But unfortunately, when we experience multiple traumas, that stress response system starts to get overly sensitive, And so things that normally wouldn't be like a spider on the wall, we might hear uh, a loud noise, a car backfiring, and that might remind us of an explosion. And that will trigger our stress response, even though it's not the same event, but it will trigger that. And that's what keeps us in this kind of stressed out space.
1: That is outstanding. That is the best analogy for the brain and how it works with stress and also simplistic of the three parts of the brain. Yeah. This is wonderful. I can tell you've been doing this for quite <laughs> some time. And you can break this down to child's level, the what you just did, so that all of us can understand. You just did a lot of complex science mm-hmm. and made it so simplistic. I remember someone said if you can't explain it to a five-year-old, and you don't know what you're talking about. So yeah. you definitely know what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> I love yeah. it. I'm a little bit of a science nerd. <laughs> I love I really, it. yeah. I love
1: it. Science. I loved science. Yeah. Um, I wasn't very good at biology, <laughs> but I love science. You know, uh, it was um, very fascinating. It still is to me. Science yeah. is a wonderful art. Let me ask you this: when mm-hmm. Uh, you are in this constant stress response, right? Mm -hmm. What can that do to the body?
0: Oh, so much. And things that we don't even really think about. So one is our body metabolism can really be affected. So when that's, yeah, so when that, that midbrain fires off and we flip our lids and we go into that you know fight, flight, or freeze mode, our body will release something called cortisol. And we've probably heard of that, uh, but a lot of people think about cortisol like cortisol stress. Well, cortisol is a neurosubstance that actually helps our body to do things like regulate our metabolism. When we have high levels of, of cortisol, we're not able to properly utilize the energy in our food. So even though we might be eating, we're not necessarily gaining the energy from that food if we're always stressed. And it might also uh, increase our metabolism so that we feel really hungry all the time, but we're not actually getting the nutrients that we need because our body doesn't have an opportunity to be rest, you know, to rest and digest. When that midbrain fires off, we then go into that, the stress response. And that stress response um, diminishes our ability to like rest and digest and to calm ourselves. And we're in the state of like, you know, needing to respond. So it does, that cortisol really does a number. Other things that cortisol does is increase inflammation throughout the body. So, you know, some people come Mm -hmm. to me, some of my clients uh, who work, who I work with, with therapy, you know they they come to me, well, you know i'm I, I'm always inflamed and and my face is inflamed. And I you know we talk about the fact that they need to do more uh, to because they you know they ask me, well, you know, you're not a medical doctor, but you know what is that why am I feeling so inflamed? Well, because when we have that increased cortisol, we have increased inflammation. Cortisol and stress, uh, the the stress response system can also raise our blood pressure. So, oftentimes, again, we see people with complex trauma um, having higher blood pressure. And if we think about the implications of that culturally, you know, for people, that, that makes a difference. Um, another is that it has a difficult time if, if we're stressed and we have that stress response system, our bodies have a difficult time regulating our blood sugar. So another thing that can happen is that people can get, if they're, again, have complex trauma and it's not treated and you're stressed and that stress response system is, you know, you have that smaller window of tolerance, might end up with type 2 diabetes. And so really understanding that it's not just how you're eating or maybe you're exercising is how much stress you're under. Two more things. The sleep-wake cycle is affected. So (laughs) whether or not, you know, when we're stressed, we have a harder time sleeping sometimes. And then finally, you know, mental health issues, you know, then we can have, so people might start out with traumatic incidences, but then they develop, uh, you know, depression and anxiety and other social phobias that come from that.
1: That is outstanding explanations. And it also identifies and lets, me know that we've got to have other outlets Mm -hmm. for this question is so can depression and anxiety and stress right Mm -hmm. can it hit you later in life like for example and I'm speaking from experience so I know it can but I just want to relate this to my body Mm -hmm. because it seems as if I'm dealing with things that happened to me as a child Mm -hmm. there was a period of time through me working all of my life and developing a career Mm -hmm. that then one day all of this came down upon me yeah that was my experience and now then I start to experience all the things you just named Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm asking but I know it's true in my case but can you explain why these delayed response to trauma? Like childhood trauma?
0: Yes, absolutely. Now that's
1: my personal question. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's an excellent question. Thank you for asking. So really I think of complex trauma. I think of traumas as putting kind of a rock in a backpack. Okay. And, you know, over time you have, you have a few and, you know, weighs you down, but then over time, It starts to get heavier and heavier. And though the rocks may kind of make you stronger, (laughs) more resilient to deal with some things, ultimately, the longer you wear and you hold on to that heaviness as you progress through life, it becomes harder to hold it. Even if those things you haven't added on to more traumas as you've gone through life. And a lot of people, unfortunately, do so as as we age again those the burdens of of the, the unhealed parts of us uh, are carried and again because it's carried in our body and our body has you know early traumas oftentimes happen and how we see trauma show up is as a reaction we don't see it as a memory or a flashback we see it as a reaction how we now react and interact with our world so You know, we learn things as children and and sometimes we get traumatized as children. And what will happen is that we'll adopt certain behaviors, certain mindsets. We will hold on to certain things, certain, you know, thoughts about ourselves that simply are not true. And that when we try to operate out into the world, then it makes it harder for us to navigate. So it's, again, that's hard. It's it's holding on to those things that sometimes seem invisible, but they're really there. And that's why, I, but there's, it's never too late to do the work. And there is healing at any age, any stage. And there's so many things that we can do. So I, I want to, I know, you know, talking about trauma can be very, um can be very heavy and feel very, you know, challenging, but I really daunting. want- yeah. And daunting, especially with those kinds of analogies. But, but really we, we, we do have the opportunity to heal um, and to really reflect.
1: I appreciate you so much for explaining all this and for answering that question for me. Now, until you said the way that, is it BIPOC? Mm-hmm. The way that BIPOC people react may be different because mm-hmm. then we had added stress. It seems as if BIPOC, which is, can you explain that?
0: Black, Indigenous, and people of color.
1: Your explanation has made me more aware of why I had different mechanisms for healing. I went to therapy 10 years, talk therapy. And now your explanation explained to me what was happening, which I didn't know about, because Mm -hmm. they never explained that to me. i never heard this in mm-hmm. my therapies now it doesn't mean it's wrong or right different counselors no. for different things but it's and it could be is it new information maybe
0: or yeah just... so go ahead it is it is new information mm-hmm. and I would say in the past so trauma informed care which is what I was really trained in uh, which forms the basis for really understanding how trauma impacts the body and then how to do other things, you know, other ways of healing uh, with people and institutions. So that's another subject. But that really uh, started coming out in the 90s, like in the ni- 1992, 1994. It was really started to become uh, a, a discipline that people talked about. It wasn't until ni- 2008 that people really started using uh, trauma informed things. So a lot of people who got trained in therapy. Uh, maybe didn't have access to some of that information when they were in training programs. Also, the Western view of healing has mostly been talk therapy, and there and again, there's nothing wrong with talk therapy, but again, for folks, sometimes talk therapy isn't effective, and that's why people really leave therapy, or or, or they say, you know, that didn't help. And I even have some clients who've told me in their past. Talk therapy has made things worse for them. And I actually understand that from the biology perspective, because if you don't know how to keep people out of really activating their stress response system while they're talking during talk therapy, it can become, therapy itself can become really challenging. So I think it's a shift in, in how you know people are taught and, and definitely a shift in the biology and what we know now too about how trauma impacts the body.
1: Also, uh, well, first of all, let me acknowledge how wonderful these words are to me. And I started my therapy in 2005. So that means that it wasn't even being introduced Mm -hmm. as prevalent as it is today. Another thing is I'm so proud of myself because in my book, I list all of this stuff that you're talking about, which I didn't even know. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: see how brilliant you are that's amazing we're so brilliant as people though seriously but yeah it's it's awesome
1: you know what i contribute it to your body's stress response system healing itself
0: absolutely so
1: my body was taking over
0: absolutely and my
1: mind when i wrote it because when you said trauma it's a wound Mm -hmm. I use that analogy in my book without even knowing the background. I never thought to look up trauma. I knew what trauma was in my mind. I never Mm -hmm. thought to, oh, let me look up the Greek definition of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So (laughs) I'm listening and I'm going, the things you're saying, because I actually said I went to meditation, to yoga, was a spiritual person, get 10 years of therapy. This is professional therapy. Psychiatrist, uh, psychologist, and I had a counselor, right? Because over a period of 10 years, people moved and shifted, and they would leave, yeah. and I would get other people, right? Yeah, so in any event, and guess what's hard about that? Each time you move and shift, you have to start over from oh, scratch.
0: Let me tell you, that's that's one of the my... most
1: exhausting. Oh, yes, <laughs> <laughs> so. That's almost triggering. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So in any event, though, what I want to say is this. My book is out about my childhood. We are not our secrets. It goes into some of the traumas I experienced as a child. I didn't even know I was being traumatized because as a child, you think everything is normal. You have no yeah. gauge. Absolutely. So. Yeah. That's why I'm thinking it was delayed. But listening to you explain lets me know why I didn't heal from talk therapy. Mm-hmm. It what it did was, and nor nor meditation and all of that because I wasn't using it effectively for my stress. Yeah, I didn't recognize and put the two together. See, mm-hmm. your body and mind weren't coming together. Yes. I am yeah. so happy for this. Look, I get my breakthrough. <laughs> 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 I love it. I love it. Yes, this is wonderful. We're going to have to have another because I saw some of your outline and there's some more tips that we want to go over. And uh, I don't know if we could get them all in or we could try. We'll just make it a little longer. It depends on your time.
0: Okay, I'm fine. Have. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. You're for fine. A bit.
1: Okay. Yeah. So... I am so grateful to you for explaining me to me. Isn't that something? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And the other thing is, I was looking over your outline a little bit, and there were some more points that you wanted to make about things that we can do physically, I would. Think yeah, it would be a yeah. physical. Yes. Can you explain some
0: of those to us? I absolutely could. So, a lot of the work I do is to help connect the mind, the body, emotions, and spirit using a lot of different tools for healing. Many of these tools are non traditional in Western medicine, but have been practiced for thousands of years prior by indigenous cultures. What I try to do is blend the best of both worlds. I'm a very eclectic person and I've always had a lot of interest. So it's really great to be able to use some of my interest in, you know, in my therapy. So I grew up, my father was a a master drummer. And so drumming is actually one of the best things that you can do uh, for healing trauma. That, that you don't have to use your words, that bi-directional Drumming is one of the best things that you can do for healing trauma because it involves rhythm. Now, one thing I want to share with you, one other thing biologically that happens with us is that, remember I talked about that brain stem, and that brainstem being able to regulate breath, our heart rate, our digestion, all of those things, all of our body functions. Well, there is a nerve called the vagus nerve. And that vagus nerve is also known as the soul nerve. And the person who calls it that is uh, Resmaa Menneken. And he wrote this amazing book on trauma. But the vagus nerve helps us regulate our body and mind state. Now, what's amazing about this vagus nerve or the soul nerve is that it responds to two key things. The first is rhythm and the second is reward. So remember how I said that many of the tools of you know of trauma of, of indigenous healing have been used for thousands of years. So like I said, drum circles, people being in a drum circle, even dancing to a rhythm. That rhythm and the rhythm of drumming actually helps our body to physically calm. So if you think about a drum, and you think about a basic drum beat. We think of the, the heartbeat. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. When our bodies feel a steady rhythm, it naturally calms. It's not wow. just our brains are enjoying it. It naturally tries to join that rhythm. That's and so fascinating. It is. And this vagus nerve is what does that. That vagus nerve is what says, like, if, if the rhythm is there, then I will tell the mind now, calm down. So have you ever danced or have you ever, you know, listened to some really nice music or hummed, you know, humming, Mm -hmm. you know, my grandmother, when she was stressed, she would wash dishes and she would hum. And that humming again, stimulates the vagus nerve and will tell our minds to calm. Other things like um, yoga or stretching, uh, doing you know movement, rocking back and forth, uh, tapping, uh, tapping different meridians on our body, doing Tai Chi or Qigong. All of those help us to tap into a rhythm and also help us to move our body so that that vagus nerve can get stimulated and calmed and then it will also tell the mind you're okay. It will tell that emotional center, you're okay. So these things not only are calming, but they're actually healing because it will tell the mind you're safe. And when our our minds know that we're safe, then we settle and we're able to be in that calm state. Other things that I use with, with folks are a lot of breathing techniques, because if we can change our breathing, and we can get extra oxygen again that can stimulate the vagus nerve. Doing visualizations. That's another thing, you know, just thinking of a safe space or, you know, the Calm map has visualizations and things you can listen to. Um, those are great tools that you can use that are, you know, low cost uh, and, and even listening to somebody tell a story, read a story. Did you know that? Reading a story and visualizing that vision, like a, a childhood story that can calm you and actually heal uh, our stress response system. I love. There's it. a few more. There's a few more, but I just, I, I want to know where we yeah, are on mostly, time.
1: Let's do this. Okay. Uh, you have a f- few more. That means I get to have you back again.
0: Okay. <laughs> Great.
1: <laughs> Yay. And then I want to talk a little bit about my nun. None- licensed (laughs) experience because I just have to do a lived experience, right? Mm -hmm. And my lived experience was one of, like I said, my collapse actually happened at 40, in my late 40s, right? In my late 40s. So I hadn't dealt with or seen myself as experiencing trauma. yeah. So something happened on my job and I attribute it to, like you said, all those rocks. And then they say the straw that breaks the camel's back. Absolutely. That's what happened to me. I, I can look at it now and realize that. But see, I've had years, like I said, 10 years of therapy. So I've had years to go over the talk. Now, the thing about talk therapy, right? When I would go to them, you aren't very comfortable with them and you're starting your stories all over again. That to me is the problem in talk therapy. Absolutely. So it's not that talk therapy doesn't work. And I'm going to tell you why I think that this Mm -hmm. way, Mm -hmm. because I think that there's a multitude of ways to get to your healing. There's no one person, one organization, one thing, mm-hmm. because you brought up the various different types of things yes. to do to calm you. So yes. what may come one person may not calm another. Exactly. Okay, so I'm on point so far, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> okay, so because here I am thinking that even though I'm not licensed, I'm going, I wish I had gone into that career but if I did I wouldn't be able to think out the box a little bit either mm-hmm. right yeah. so it's all along the lines of what you're saying but I truly feel a cleansing has to take place in order for you to progress tremendously in your healing and let me tell you why and that's just my lived experience Okay, I started off my book thinking it would be an autobiography of just my life I didn't know where it would lead and it led to me actually figuring out after I completed the book how cleansing this was of me and I felt free of all that trauma mm-hmm. that baggage that experience because much of it it was blocked away. Some of it I had never addressed again because it was too much. I mm-hmm. tried to write the book 30 years ago before a collapse or anything. It's once you go through trauma, it stays with you in your mind. Even, even if you block it. So this is the thing where you say it's in your body. The reason why I do my podcast is because if someone is allowed to tell their journey, their way, completely their story without interruptions, without changing all these counselors, without having to start your story over from scratch, it can be exceptionally cleansing. Absolutely. And I think because I think of Twitch, how he danced, he had everything going for him on the outside. And then he had that awful um, demise. And that was so sad. So I thought when we don't release trauma mm-hmm. and this is a thing we never tell you may have gone through trauma i would imagine i don't know oh,
0: yes a lot <laughs>
1: that's what i think so yeah. and that's why i say everybody's journey is different but for me i found as i wrote i said if you don't release trauma it's going to go inward or outward and absolutely. i think that's why we see the violence today.
0: oh yes absolutely Okay,
1: so i'm on track for what i'm thinking and what i wrote and everybody's experience is their experience anyway. So it's their experience. But yes. as far as uh in line with what you're saying, and when you said talk therapy, uh you said may not work oftentimes, it, especially for us, but you have yeah. to have an understanding and you have to work it in conjunction with other things, it seems.
0: Absolutely. And again, I don't, I'm not saying that it's not going to work. I'm saying it may not be the only therapy that you do. It may there, not yeah. be the only only thing that you do because i but in talk therapy what you did by the way just with your with just writing your book and having that cleansing that is a key component of narrative therapy which is a component of trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy which is talk therapy so you it's it's,
1: narrative
0: it's narrative and that narration and getting (laughs) it out you are right on you are right on Miss Joyce, because that narration Yeah, that that narration, that getting it out, that seeing it, that's actually a lot of what I do in trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy. You you tell your stories, and then what we do in trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy is really look at and take apart what are the belief systems that you've created in your story that are then now contributing to your current stress. And that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> and, and I could tell you more about that. But that that is a way in which again getting it out there first and foremost, you're right is an absolute cleansing. And that's a wonderful thing. And I think if more people could write their stories before they went to therapy, and I think this would be a great idea. I thought about this when you were talking, giving that to their therapist and saying, here, read this, (laughs) and then we'll, because because that whole thing about having to change therapist, and having to retell your story, you shouldn't have to retell your story over and over again, and that's, again, another thing we could talk about another time, but that's a key component of trauma-informed care, not having to retell your story over and over again, not having to relive it, because when you do, it does, it can actually spark the stress response system, so much more to say, but I just wanted to really affirm that you're absolutely right. And the more people they don't, some people don't ever have to go to therapy. Some people, if they just tell their story and really read it and understand it, then that could be their therapy. So I'm just, you're awesome. Girl.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Cause I thought, and that's why I started the podcast. I wrote my book and I thought, is this what I needed? Yeah. And I went, Oh, my goodness, I feel free. I feel free.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It took me three years to finish. It's published now. But it was amazing. I had a great support system. Two ladies I would call, one's a, and and their family, and I would call them up to discuss the part that I couldn't write. Remember the part I said, help me for 30 years?
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: I tried to write it and couldn't. It was too much, right? Mm-hmm. And this is what stops people. So yes. I would suggest to someone who's dealing with extreme yes. trauma situations, if you can find someone that you truly trust, someone that understands, because a lot of people don't understand anxiety, depression, stress. They yes. Some people think it's a joke,
0: yeah.
1: you know? So you just be very careful is all I'm saying. It's yes. few people, but some people, you know, that's just the way they think. So what you want to do is find somebody trusted. And if you can get that story out, mm-hmm. it makes it like the psych- uh, counselor told me. It doesn't mean it goes away, it makes it manageable. Absolutely. So when I was able to tell the story to them, then I was able to write it in the book. It, mm-hmm. And I put that journey in the book because I think it would be valuable for those who are going through it. I put the whole journey of what happened. Beautiful. Because it took me two months to get back into writing it. I would mm-hmm. tell these two trusted friends some of the things that happened when I was a little kid and they couldn't believe it. And they go, you need to write that book.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I say, can you believe I didn't even know? that it was trauma because what happened throughout my life, people would tell me their stories and their stories were so much greater in my mind than mine. I thought, Mm -hmm. well, I guess I didn't experience trauma. Mm -hmm. And then when I wrote my book, I thought, well, I did. And then I got to that part and I was able to tell them the hardest trauma that I experienced that held me back in my life. I was then able to write it. It took me two months though. After to start back writing again after I told them. Yeah. So it's a process. It's definitely a long process, but writing, oh my goodness, the narrative, what did you call it? Narrative
0: Nar- Narrative therapy, yes.
1: Narrative therapy, guys, mm-hmm. whoop, please do that. <laughs> and she said this, if I heard you correctly, you said some people, if they can do narrative therapy, can heal themselves and don't need therapy. Absolutely. That's amazing. Okay. So this has answered all my questions. <laughs> Look, I'm good.
0: Look. <laughs> I'm
1: so glad. <laughs> and then I have other things to work on. I have a social worker I interviewed two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And she said that healing has different levels. Absolutely. And I saw so I'm learning and learning and learning. Right. Yeah. She yeah. said healing has different levels. So what affects you one way in these circumstances may affect you differently than another. And that's because you're at different levels of of healing. So it's an ongoing thing. So I have been cleansed. That's why I keep saying that. My brother was talking about it because he grew Mm -hmm. up in the household with me. He wrote a book and Mm -hmm. he said, "I, it's cleansing. I want to give him credit for that word and I'm going to be using forever now because this cleansing is so necessary. And if you can get yourself cleansed, meaning you will release that. I think it releases it from your body.
0: Yeah, it can. I mean, getting it out, having it ex outside of you, having something written is definitely a psychologically that has merit, <laughs> you know, because yes. it's like it's there, you know, it still exists, but mm-hmm. it's there. It doesn't have to live inside of me. Yeah.
1: Yes. And the last thing is I have interviewed Viserant. She has part one, two, three, four, and five. (laughs) And that's what my podcast is for. They continue and know that they will finish their story. They have never told their stories before. Many of my guests have never uttered it to anybody. In fact, they weren't even believed when they did try and tell people when they were children. There's a need to at least start this dialogue so that people know they aren't alone. Because all I'm doing is listening to their stories. I'm supporting them. And I'm saying all this long speech to say this. She finished up. It's not out yet. But she finished her series. And I feel so grateful that my podcast did what I envisioned it to do. She said I empowered her. Mm -hmm. I gave her love and support Mm -hmm. like she never had. I healed her. And I told her, no, you told her story. I just supported you and you became cleansed, not yes. healed, because there's different levels to healing. But it worked.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> For her,
1: and it's I think even though it was talk, it's narrative, I think mm-hmm. it was just narrative because narrative. I wasn't trying to guide her, mm-hmm. right? I'm just mm-hmm. listening to her story yeah to their stories rather and supporting them to get it out
0: absolutely can i add one more thing yes please just with that i'm so glad you said that miss joyce because oftentimes many of us what we need in order to heal in order to cleanse is a safe space to do so you know yes. we don't need a whole bunch of fancy things and fancy tricks we just need sometimes a safe space And, you know, you providing that space for people and for providing this space for people to tell their stories, it does do that. It does empower people because they get to use their voice. They get to share their feelings. They get to be heard. And much of trauma is, unfortunately, is about shutting down. It's about not being able to be heard. It's about not being able to speak. It's about not being in control of what is happening. So to be given a safe space and to be given the opportunity to share is such a powerful thing. So I just thank you for your podcast. I thank you for the work that you do. And I really thank you for having me on because it's, it's really powerful what you're doing. And I just wanted to affirm you're on the amazing right track. And if you ever want any tips about how to work with folks in terms of telling their story safely, I can definitely give those to you. But Really, you're doing an amazing job having this forum because that is healing, It's very healing. And we need that as communities and individuals. We need people to to really create spaces for people to safely share what has happened to them without being judged for it. So thank you. I love
1: it. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Thank you. Thank you for your amazing work. And I really appreciate you. I appreciate what all you do. I appreciate the fact that you took the time to get both the scientific, the certifications, the learned experiences, the lived experiences, <laughs> and the which are most crucial. And being a black woman, you were able to look into we have additional needs of handling trauma and stress. It's not that we're separate and independent of people because everyone has these same stressors in life, same anxieties. However, we have added layers of that. And I appreciate you being on my show today. Miss Ellen, do you have any last words before we leave?
0: I just want to thank you again. Just if you're interested in kind of learning more about what I do, uh, if you ever want to send people over to my website, which is just my name, ellenswright.com, and I would be happy to, um, you know, answer any questions that anybody has if you have follow ups after the podcast. So, but again, thank you so much.
1: Just to reiterate, she is available for online therapy sessions, send her messages to her website. And should be happy to answer any of your questions and concerns, right? Absolutely. I appreciate you so much. You have been listening to We Are Not Our Secrets. I'm JJ, and thanks for listening. Have a great day.